0: Hi, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and this is the second time we're doing this intro, because neither of us noticed that Luke was not talking into a microphone in the original opening that we recorded.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Luke, and I was not talking to a microphone because I was, I was distracted trying to think of what I was supposed to talk about in the next section.
0: Yeah, We're well, I had a delightful anecdote I told about Chicken Hearts, but I guess... I thought I had a good follow-up to it. You did, but I guess our audience will just never know that bit of banter because we didn't record it. All right, let's get into the show. This week's episode talking about something important that has come up on twitter uh which like is everything
1: that comes up in tw- on twitter
0: right like all of pop culture it came up on twitter americans have discovered that british people are not paying for covid tests
1: yeah this is this is wild um because yeah we we did do a a thing on this i think it was actually like a week or two before you came over uh and i was like yeah no it's fine like we Oh, so I was talking about something, but I can't remember what I was talking about. But I was like, you know, because we just had a load of COVID tests at the house.
0: I I can ta- I can talk to you about this, and I can also explain to some people who asked why this clip was never released. So, first, a clip started circulating on Twitter yesterday of White House uh, spokesperson Jen's, Jen Saki being condescending and awful about the idea of giving Americans free COVID tests, and then a bunch of a bunch of British people were like, you know, that we can get free COVID tests, and then I commented that actually luke in an episode uh i think back in october freaked out when uh he realized that i don't just have COVID tests lying around my house the reason that clip didn't make it into the episode was because luke's go-to move when um faced with something absurd in america is to gaslight me into thinking that it's not an american thing i'm just a weirdo so the majority of the clip was actually me texting my friends to make sure I wasn't just out of the loop on the idea that everyone had at-home COVID tests. And over the course of about 30 minutes, I did discover that Americans aren't doing that. But your instinct but was it, to, to tell me that I was a weirdo. For but it was because
1: it, it was prompted because I heard of an American who had a COVID test that they, at home, that they threw out because they were vaccinated and assumed they'd never need it again. Right. But it seems but, to have been, I guess, one of the paid for ones.
0: Yes. They cost money here. In fact, my mom is traveling soon and she discovered that her airline that she's flying with has partnered with a private company. (laughs) This is wild. Okay. So it costs $150. This company mails you six rapid tests. Then they make you do them over FaceTime while they watch you and then send a certificate of authenticity to the airline, which then accepts them as a a lab test. Yes, which is, sure,
1: that, that's a way to do it. It doesn't seem like a good way to do it.
0: No, it's a massive scam. Six tests for $150. All you're really paying for is the FaceTime, to FaceTime somebody. But even that is ridiculous and silly. But the, I, I, was, I was shocked at the casualness in which British people can just take a test and find out if they have COVID within some kind of reasonable doubt. I think that is uh, something that Americans are fundamentally lacking.
1: Yeah, and it's it's one of the things that I think Americans look at British people and they're like, why are you not all wearing masks all the time? And it's like, because we're testing all the time because it's free and available. So yeah. it's it's like kind of, it's coming at two things. like, yeah, okay, you should probably be wearing a mask and also testing very regularly. But it is, it is I mean, to be honest, it's been one of the trends of this year. has been kind of watching other countries and then feeling very weird at what other countries are doing and just not being, particularly as kind of, the world has opened back up and everyone's gone to different countries. I'm like, why are you doing this here? Um, they're yeah. like, because this is normal. Why are you doing this mad thing that you're doing?
0: Yeah, so I've done I've done COVID testing in five countries now. Uh, America is by far the most expensive. It's free for most places in America if you have insurance. If you don't have insurance, it's like $150, if not more than that. In uh, which
1: country has it been most uncomfortable?
0: Most uncomfortable? Yeah, which um, was like the,
1: the worst one.
0: Oh, man. The Portuguese are so rough with you. Yes, I was going to
1: say the Portuguese. <laughs> it's the only other country I've been to, but the Portuguese was very rough. They were, ext- there was like, they, they felt like I, they were going inside something.
0: I was crying. I, I, I would, I would, so when I was at the convention in, in Lisbon, every two days I'd have to get an antigen test and they would, they would skewer me. Like they were poking my brain. It was wild. Yep. But it was free. Um, so, you know, uh, I think the nicest place I've been to was a was a private clinic in Brazil that uh, had like croissants and muffins and coffee and stuff. Oh, that and is that, nice. And that was like fifteen American dollars, I guess. Um, so. One of the
1: f- one of the free clinics down the road from me it was quite nice in the pre free test for everyone days, which was like last summer. Um, but yeah, no, in the UK you can get seven seven tests a day entirely free and they will just send them to your house. They give them out on the street corners. Like, you walk past, and they'll have a big stall, and they've just got boxes of tests, and like, hey, take some tests, take some tests. It's I like, mean... Yeah, everyone's just tests all the time.
0: America didn't even have, like, free masks in public until, like, six months ago.
1: Oh, we don't have that. Well, I mean... That makes sense to me.
0: Well, we do in some
1: places. Like, we do in... Like, some tube stations have them. Like, the, the, the people standing around, like, the tube guards or, or, or monitor, wherever they are, like, they have... They always have a... A load of masks to give out if people forgotten them. So we do have them in some places, but they're not. It's not like standard.
0: I see. Yeah, I know in America, like you can most in most malls and stuff now, or like shopping centers. There's like a place where you can grab a mask.
1: Usually, yeah. You should probably have both, but yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. There is there is kind of uh, i always fascinated with the kind of the North American thing of being like I can't believe everyone's not wearing a mask outside, and it's like you pay fifty dollars for a test.
0: Okay, so masking outside not really a thing in america it was briefly at the height height but like that's not super common although in brazil it's super like it's super common still to see masks I, outside
1: i found it was really common in portugal as well
0: yeah it was more like, common than i thought it would be
1: yeah like i saw people like walking along the beach wearing a mask and it's like i think yeah i think you're right man
0: <laughs> Me- mexico is the same way like Everywhere in Mexico you would go, you would see masks outside. And then the, the, the Mexicans also do a very weird thing that I hadn't seen anywhere else, which is mandatory at the door hand sanitizer. Oh, And so you get like this, like, and it's always different hand sanitizers. So like you get this like greasy, intense hand sanitizer at the door with a temperature check. To, before you can get into a restaurant or a, sh- uh, a shopping mall or, or any business. Some places have had voluntary
1: hand sanitizer. And they, there was a period when they had – Actually, they still do. They had hand sanitizer in all the tube stations, but it was the stuff that had to be – could not be alcohol-free because it doesn't work, um, but therefore had to be disgusting so that people did not drink it. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, okay. And yeah. it was – it was like it, you, would, you would use it on your hands and you could smell them for like the next three hours. It was yeah. unpleasant.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, every country is doing weird stuff. Yeah, we're uh,
1: 21 months into this, and everyone continues to disagree on what we should be doing.
0: Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, I really have a lot of faith in humanity. Speaking of faith in humanity, do you want to talk about the weird uh, New York Times copyright scam?
1: Yeah, so I read, sorry, I watched the original video to try and figure out what it was, and then I have not followed it since then. So my, my understanding of the initial thing is that this guy had a project that he was working on that he started work on when he was at the New York Times. He left the New York Times, but continued the project on. It was an ocean based project. And he, as part of the project, got artists to sign the copyright for their music over to him, but then claimed all of their royalties on Spotify for that music. Having said, it would only it would only be used for this project.
0: Okay, so am I totally wrong? No, you're not totally wrong. So this whole thing kicked off with with a music producer and YouTube creator named Ben Jordan, who claimed that a former New York Times reporter, Ian Urbina, was tricking artists into signing royalty deals that would give him streaming money for music that he did not create, or he being Urbina. Right. After a bunch of back and forth. Uh, and pieces written uh, for Input Mag, and also a recent one uh, written for Saving Journalism dot uh, dot com. What it <laughs> seems like happened here is Ian Urbina wrote a book about like the ocean, like 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 oceanic crime and stuff, which is fun. He wrote a book called The Outlaw Ocean, Crime and Survival in the Last Untamed Frontier. And it's like about like, you know, crimes at sea and human trafficking and stuff. And he then created a project where he and an assistant would reach out to musicians that made music that he felt kind of like fit the vibe of his book, put them in a sound bank, these songs, and then created Spotify albums and playlists with this music. And then he created or someone connected to him created a nonprofit esque entity that seemed to kind of look like a music label, but wasn't quite a music label called Synesthesia Media, which was then distributing these songs and the royalty agreement that was being signed would give 50% of the streaming revenue to Synesthesia Media and the other 50% to the artists that made it. Uh, but based on like... The most recent report about this from savingjournalism.substack.com, it it seems like what this really was was just like an, a nonprofit not making any money and just like trying to do a thing to promote journalism via cool music and like not really a scam. So he wasn't
1: totally scamming it. It was just not. I mean, was it an accidental scam? Could you describe it as an accidental
0: scam? Yeah, maybe. I mean, at the most, what's happening is that, like, these musicians are donating 50% of the – they're donating 50% of the proceeds of their streaming money in these instances to a charity. That's essentially what's going on. With, but they didn't
1: with, know that they were doing that.
0: Well, they didn't really understand it. Um, and there's also kind of some brouhaha over whether Urbina should have been reaching out to these people using his New York Times email address. So I guess the. I, yeah, the, I mean,
1: I think if it's not a New York Times public pro- project, you shouldn't do that.
0: I would like, say. I don't, think, so. I, don't think,
1: I don't think that's controversial. But I do think the. I, I mean, to be honest, I think the whole thing is bad. Like, you can't kind of make people donate to charity against their will, which is what he was doing. Like just cuz it's for a good reason does not mean that it's like okay.
0: It 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 sort of seems like my my sort of take on reading a lot of this stuff seems to be that like he did not understand how confusing his project was to musicians and then when that confusion combined with like a YouTube guy and wanting to like make a sensational video he then reacted very poorly by blocking everybody who was tweeting at him. Yeah, that's not helpful. So it's like, it's like kind of like a, a not particularly internet savvy, like older reporter trying to do a weird music project and then like wading into YouTube drama and not knowing how to deal with it and making things worse. That That's kind of my read on this whole thing. And that like, no one was really being scammed. It was just like, his project is weird. He's making... It's a, a sent- kind of
1: a bad project.
0: Well, he, he's like... He's, like, an old reporter guy who, like, wants to make, like, cool music albums based on his Oceanic Crime book. Like, I don't know. I've been around enough <laughs> old reporters to, like, know that, like, they come up with all kinds of weird shit like that. You know? It's, like, he's not a boomer, but he's, like, it's a yeah, very boomer-esque idea, you know?
1: It is. It is. It's it's a classic of kind of, like, you know, it, you know what it kind of is? It's basically the charity version of one of those scams where it's, like, what we do is we just, like, round off the fractions of a penny and give them to a good cause.
0: Kind of, but the thing it actually reminds me the most of is when um, Adam Curtis made a concert with Massive Attack.
1: Oh, yeah, which was like a, uh, it was an art, it was it was, a, it was a, 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 an art show, an art gallery opening, right?
0: Yeah, it was like a concert. I think it was like a legit, it was a genuine Massive Attack concert set to footage from hyper-normalization, I'm pretty sure.
1: No, no, it was at a festival, I'm sure of
0: it. Yeah, it was at a music festival.
1: Yeah, I know, okay, yeah, okay.
0: Which is, like, an insane idea. Like, imagine, like, going to a, a music festival and watching, like, a set that was, like, a DJ performing to a documentary about, like, data privacy. Yeah. So, like, that's what this guy's doing, which is, like, he's, like, I wrote a book about oceanic crime, and now I'm, like, making Spotify albums of lo-fi hip-hop that fit, that fit it somehow, you know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just, like, a really weird idea that, like a middle-aged man would come up with. <laughs> like that's that's my take on it. It's like it's not nefarious. It's just like weird and hard to explain because like who would want that?
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't really argue that it's just like it is a very weird thing to do and it's so weird that yeah, it's not surprising that everyone's like this feels like a scam now.
0: Right. It's like it's too bizarre of an idea to not be a scam, but in the end it's probably just like a weird middle-aged man's idea of like a cool thing.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and it's, like, probably going to support, like, a nice journalism charity. And then, like, he had no idea how to deal with it when, like, YouTube came after him. Like, this all makes a lot of sense to me as someone who spent a lot of time around middle-aged journalists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds right. Um You, though, do you have a scam? I think you have a scam to talk about this. I have, is this I have a scam a thing that
1: is not a scam yet. Okay. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a scam. Okay. But it is one of the – it is a – dodgy sounding thing. Okay. Um so this is the new project from uh Steve Bartlett who we definitely mentioned here before but ran a company called Social Chain who in the mid 2010s um figured out that if they pulled a load of influencers they could make stuff trend and then they could sell the concept of stuff trending to companies uh and sell the concept of lots of people talking about the thing to companies uh, very effectively. Uh, and they monetized that really well. Uh, they turned it into, uh, a more, much more complicated brand than that. And as I believe by the kind of, well, end of it, there was never really an end of it. Um, they were doing, you know, a lot more beyond that, but that was the kind of fundamental principle of it. Uh, and they eventually sold the company to some German investors and they then were removed from the company. Uh, uh-huh. the guy is Steve Bartlett is now on the British version of Shark Tank. Uh, he's on Dragon's Den. He's one of oh, the dragons. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And he has started a new company now, uh, called Flight Story. Now, Flight Story is in his description of it. Uh, he does the big thing. Uh, he's got like, you know, podcasts and all this other stuff now. And he's, you know, the, the successful CEO, whatever it is. Um, uh, announcement I've launched a new company. Investing has changed. Social media has changed. The agency model is broken. Flight Story is the solution. And then it's a flashy, um, Very shareable video, you know, it's got the, it's a 16 minute video set to one, one by one with black and white text on the top and the bottom. And the text says these companies are going to fail. And then it's then a summary of basically the GameStop stuff. Uh, and being like, these companies are going to be taken down. They're going to be taken down by real retail investors. Retail investors are the most important thing. Uh, retail investors being, you know, not hedge funds. So it's the people, you know, in their bedrooms who can buy stock easily off of anything like the 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 GameStop people basically. Uh and the idea is, yeah, ordinary people have been empowered, now we can use this to successfully launch companies. The company they're doing, Flight Story, is based on the idea that they can help control this,
0: these groups of retail investors. Um my favorite which, part of his video appears at the end where it's four logos surrounded by like art of like a person so it's like it looks like people connecting to networks and the four logos are the TikTok logo the Discord logo the Twitter logo and the Reddit logo
1: <laughs> yes it's which is perfect the fact that like Facebook is not on there is fascinating um yeah. oh yeah but but it also then the, the website itself is obviously like kind of mysterious and does not have a huge amount of information which is not that surprising but what it, what it does is it has a three... The, the best detail it does is it has a three-step thing. First step is build your story, talent, expertise, data, technology, and that's all the internal stuff, like the thing that the company is. And that's your problem, according to this agency. Their, they take over from step two, which is tell your story, which is a setting up a global creative studio and public relations. So essentially an advertising agency to in order to tune your company for an IPO. Sure, fine, that makes sense. They've existed for a while. And the third part, is where this sounds, starts sounding very familiar. Uh and that is amplify your story. Uh and all the description of this is 300 plus retail investor publishers and communities.
0: Okay, so it's I see. So it's uh what is the term for this? Uh it, it's social chain again for one. <laughs> like it's can you describe what the social chain was or is? Or? I did that at the start of this. No, but like go a little deeper. <laughs>
1: I had to go deeper, other than they used, they pooled influencers to make a network to promote th- things.
0: Right. Would you say it was underhanded what they were doing? I mean, yes
1: and no. So, so, I think the best way to think about Social Chain is that it was one of a number of companies, and we found these companies in different countries, or these networks rather, in different countries, and they all looked different, basically, depending on how the country had, had developed and how the country had figured it out. The UK's was the most corporate. But what it was was essentially saying, we have a lot of relevant people. They will always tweet your thing at the same time. It will trend on Twitter. People will click on the trend. They will engage with the trend. Lo and behold, your brand trends. Is that right. valuable or not? Don't know, but it's cool. It's a thing you can put on a deck. Uh, and maybe it's useful. I don't know. Like If it's a really good offer at the back of it, like yeah, it probably will be really useful. If it's a bit of a middling offer or, or, or they're kind of forcing it, it's probably not going to be so useful. But they have the power to make it trend regardless. This is then doing that exact same thing, but specifically with retail investors. So they are essentially saying, they are they are talking to, I'm, they obviously don't have names here. I'm very fascinated. I have not had a chance to do the re- enough research and I haven't been able to find any in the small amount of research I've done. Um, but they are going to be, basically they're, what this looks like is that they're going to be talking to retail investor accounts. So people who are, the big names on Reddit, the big names on TikTok, uh, the sixteen-year-olds telling other sixteen-year-olds to wh- what stocks to invest in, and basically pay them to shill the stock. Now that is illegal. I'm pretty to- sure. Totally it sounds illegal. incredibly illegal. <laughs> uh, it is. It um, is
0: wildly illegal.
1: So there is a kind of a question of how this is going to be run. Now, I would, I am very, very confident that they are not doing anything illegal here. So I'm very curious about how it actually operates on the back end. I suspect it will be more along the lines of they work with people and they sell send them f- files of information. If they want to use it, they can. If they don't want to use it, they can't. Here are the here's the information that you have to mention as a, a caveat if you do use it. But it won't be kind of a direct one to one. We give you a hundred bucks. You tell your user to shield the thing because that that is illegal. And it'll be much more it'll be more complicated than that. But the fundamental underlying structure of the this is that that is what this seems to be.
0: Yeah, it's really weird. I it it does seem like and and we're going to talk I think more about this in our next big section of the week, but it does feel more and more like the GameStop pump has completely broken people's brains, especially people who love money. Yes. Like everyone just wants to 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 recreate the GameStop pump but doesn't seem to fundamentally understand how it happened or why or, like, what we should have learned from it, and now everyone is promising their own version of that. Like, that is kind of, like, the core business model right now, which I find fascinating and annoying, but mainly fascinating.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, the it's pretty it's really clear that the GameStop thing was not, uh, like, it was not the thing that everyone thought it was.
0: Yeah, like it, it wasn't- I mean... It was it was it was way more organic than I think people thought it was. Like all of this, all of the research that has been done in the years since seems to point to the fact that like it was just like a couple weird men who really thought GameStop was undervalued and caused like enough momentum that like it ballooned out into the movement that it did.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you want to hear something really interesting about NFTs compared to GameStop?
0: Yes, always.
1: So if you look at the background data of it. The GameStop peak happened in the week of twenty fourth or thirtieth. Like that's when the GameStop pump happened basically. And then a little yeah. bit for the weeks after that. The first time that NFTs gained any significant search interest was the fourteenth of February. Uh and that interest then peaked uh at the start of March. So it was the month after the GameStop thing, suddenly NFTs became a thing. Oh and yeah. And I don't think those two are like they're hundred percent linked.
0: For, for sure. I mean, so I, I've spoken, I, I did some reporting about this for, I think the nation at the time. I can't remember. It's been so long now, but like NFTs have been kicking around basically since Anil Dash like co-invented them in like 2017 or whatever it was. And they were kind of like a weird, quirky thing for a while. Uh, the crypto community was left out of the GameStop pump because Wall Street bets is, is I think still, but at the time was definitely wildly anti crypto. The guys, yeah. the the guys in Wall Street Bets hated cryptocurrency, and a lot of the people in the crypto subreddits and the crypto and the crypto Twitter communities felt like Wall Street Bets was like appropriating crypto culture, which is extremely stupid. But that's what the, the feeling was. I, I think it is highly likely that the crypto community sought a way to to recreate the frenzy they saw with GameStop because they felt left out. I, I think that is very very true and real.
1: Yeah, that sounds correct to me.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I wish uh, I wish Steve Bartlett and his team well, in definitely not breaking the law. Um, I'm sure uh, this will all be very above board, uh, and I'm very curious to see how uh, they build "quote unquote" resilient retail investor communities around great public companies. Super I mean, it's worth curious. it's
1: worth thinking. I mean, it's worth thinking about this from kind of a slightly different perspective, which is also that if you are a company, why do you want this?
0: Yeah, I don't totally understand what this is meant to do. Like, what is this meant to accomplish?
1: Yeah, like, GameStop do not really gain anything from the GameStop pump.
0: No, uh, no one actually, well, no, the companies sure didn't. Like, a few investors, you know, did, but... The companies didn't really yeah. gain much. Long Games term.
1: GameStop is not materially like they they're probably in a slightly better position because there's a bunch of people holding them as like a bit of a memory thing almost. Like I, I don't actually know if how that I I, I don't know how they, their stock price compares.
0: Uh it is not super far down from where it was actually. So uh so at the beginning of the year it skyrocketed to $347 a share. It is currently down to a hundred and seventy-six dollars a share which is still very good
1: it's actually up about 10 times
0: since pre-pump yeah it's it's it's, it's fine i mean it's it's yeah, nine ten times it's up yeah
1: okay yeah so they are okay they are that's they are in a better position and like so i guess that's part of it but I, that this feels like a thing with massively diminishing returns if you are going to do that uh and you need basically you need the company to back it up like I mean, yeah let's be let's be real about this like Tesla is definitely an overvalued stock everyone thinks it's an overvalued stock but because so many people are always like to buy it it's not an overvalued stock
0: yeah yeah that's true I mean so Tesla's if, like not know, a real company so
1: yeah exactly but if you do that and you then start your company making widgets or whatever and your company lasts and eventually the widgets catch up to the share price great you're in a good position you had a load of investment in it to enable to make your widgets seems bold though <laughs>
0: the end of twenty twenty one a year uh i wouldn't i wouldn't do again i don't think i i, I need to i don't think i would ever re- want to relive twenty twenty one again it does feel like a big shift in the internet um so i guess what i want i want to start with is a look back at our top three episodes of the year which actually were all published with uh within the last uh i don't know since september so uh our top three episodes This year are, we went through seven years worth of Facebook analytics, which I didn't remember we did in September. I thought that was like a week ago. Hold
1: on. Wait, wait, wait. wait, Sorry, which one was that?
0: It was the, we went through seven years. It was the News Whip episode.
1: Oh, the News Whip episode. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So our second most listened to episode was, we went through years of Aussie social analytics and it was weirder than we could have ever imagined. So the big Aussie episode. And then the, the last third most listened to one is inside thinker at lifestyle the most viral page on facebook so it's clear that you guys seem to really like it when we dig into facebook analytics the thing that we've stumbled across that people seem to like the most is just us looking at internet traffic for an hour (laughs) and trying to solve like a very low stakes mystery yeah uh
1: that's i mean that's interesting i think i mean do we want to go into kind of the the big takeaway of the year yeah go for it so i think that is kind of my big takeaway of the year, which is that But Facebook is a lot more broken than I had it thought.
0: Yeah, I will say that doing this sort of work over the last year, I, I guess I had like a, I, I knew that Facebook was full of junk, but I guess I sort of always assumed that there was something else at the heart of it other than junk. But after spending considerable hours of my life in the last six months looking at Facebook traffic and Facebook analytics, I'm increasingly convinced that it's just junk. Like, it's just absolute garbage.
1: Yeah, like, I, I think it's, there's still, there's still, like, a fundamental kind of bit behind it. Uh, like, like people are still using Facebook, and there are people still using it in a normal way. Like, they are still seeing something from CNN or BBC and clicking on it. That still exists. But it is uh, a drop in an ocean of just other stuff. And people are not using it as a, well, I mean, we say this. Facebook's entire thing was that it wanted to stop being a news platform, which is very successfully done. As I, I don't think anyone goes to it for news anymore. But at the same time, it's it's not figured out what it is next.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't get the sense that, like, I don't, it's funny. Like, I can think in my head, I can envision in my head, like, what's going on on Twitter. I can, I can sort of envision what's going on on Tumblr or Reddit, but I really can't, like, process what, like the daily user activity on Facebook is like, like I really can't picture it, which is weird, and I, I, it just feels more and more like a wasteland, like where where nobody is on it.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of, that's kind of exactly it. Like if you're, I can't remember the last time I checked Facebook genuinely as a what's happening on Facebook thing. I don't know anyone who checks Facebook genuinely. Like I don't, no. know, I don't know what you're doing to do that. I don't know how that's how that functions even.
0: I mean I just I, I just checked it to like see what's on there. Um most of it is just like groups or pages up that are updating. Um oh I was tagged in photos, but hilariously these photos were also put on Instagram. So like there's no reason for me to go on Facebook to see these photos. Um yeah, like I, I'm opening it right now and It's just, like, people I don't really know anymore posting updates that I don't really care about. And then a bunch of advertisements. Um, Well,
1: well, this is sort of what I'd I'd always always assumed. What I'd always assumed was that I personally had drifted away from Facebook as it, like, didn't make sense for my life because, you know, I need to be quick in that. I need to be on Twitter and all, all that stuff. Like, partly job stuff and partly, like, lifestyle stuff. What I didn't realize was that everyone else has also drifted away from Facebook. And it's now kind of a thing that every now and again someone remembers about and puts something weird up there and there it's, it's up and it gets 15 likes and then it's gone. Like, no one's really actively using it. With the exception of people who get very, very into uh, specific groups. So Facebook groups are still really, really active.
0: Yeah. Wait, I got distracted because I just came across this, like absolutely bizarre video <laughs> uh wait hold on i have to show you this can this is bizarre this is the top of my facebook feed
1: oh is this a leftover thing from the era when we used to follow loads of really random groups just to kind of see what was happening
0: yeah but wait the video itself though is bizarre How, why is it 13 minutes long it's a 13 minute long video but if you turn the sound on, it's got a video that's on top of it of someone talking.
1: Oh, right. Like some extremely successful YouTubers. Whose mm-hmm. only thing is just commentating on other things. Well, like, um, who's the one? Uh, SS Wolf, Whose entire thing is just watching other people's videos and
0: commenting. Wait, I found more of these videos. What is this? Wow. Why See, is this so long? So this is... so So...
1: <laughs> often like with these videos we've always talked about how they're exactly three minutes long to build the suspense for what's going to happen yeah this video is basically it is a classic it's a classic sitcom premise uh some people uh two of them soldiers for some reason um are in uh, what looks like a i mean it looks like a, a a house that has been redesigned to look like an office yes no that's definitely it. it is a someone's personal house designed to look like an office then two people have come in and they're about to possibly have sex right well people are
0: gonna surprise them for like their birthday
1: yeah and usually this is a three minute thing and then you hit three minutes you've hit the algorithm limit and then suddenly everything is like fine and we're moving on this for some reason 13 minutes long and i'm skipping through it now and it does not end it is it is them doing the same actions as they like wave each other being like you go out no you go out there's a moment where someone like runs out and he's going to like interrupt them while they're looking the other way, and then he chickens out and he runs back. Um, but I don't think I... Yeah, yeah he's right. He's going to... Oh, oh, he's interrupted them. Right at the end, he does interrupt them and... Gives them a pizza. Yeah, he appears to be giving them a pizza.
0: But then in the oh. corner of the screen is a YouTuber who is commenting on the video, but it's like gibberish. She's like speaking gibberish over the video.
1: Oh, I think maybe the guy interrupting them is her boyfriend, which makes sense.
0: But then if you actually if you if you watch even more, the 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 commentator who's been like put in picture in picture in the top right-hand corner at certain points has videos in the bottom left-hand corner of her picture in picture. Okay. So okay, I understand okay, wow, I got completely sidetracked by this video. But what is happening here? It's a 13-minute video of a couple look like they're going to have sex. People are going to surprise them for their birthday. The people in the party are dressed in, like, soldier uniforms to make it look like a viral, like, soldier video. But then they've added yeah. on a, like, YouTuber in the corner of the screen wearing a low-cut shirt, and they've modulated the audio. So it's like, it it just looks like a viral video. That's what, that, that's what so they're doing. I,
1: I, I think the modulating of the audio is so it doesn't get picked up by Facebook's uh copyright checkers. yeah i think that's yeah. exactly
0: what this is this is like piecing together images in video form to like trick the algorithm into like getting this is
1: like it's like it's like finding artifacts of a lost civilization yeah this is bizarre and you're trying to put them together to understand why they've done the thing that they've done and it's just it, why does this exist why has anyone spent 30 minutes making this why have we spent 5 minutes talking about it why have people spent like every comment is just like these suck, they're all fake. We know, we can see that they're fake. All the shares are saying, we hate this, it's fake. So it's just like, what are we doing here? What? Are, what is any of this about?
0: Yeah, this is amazing. Um, so basically what we're trying to say is uh, our biggest takeaway, our biggest lesson of the year is that Facebook is a garbage heap uh, and a cultural wasteland and we don't understand what's going on on this platform anymore. Uh, but you guys, you listeners seem to really like when we spend a lot of time talking about this stuff (laughs) yeah i don't i don't
1: understand why because it is it is uh, yeah it's just like uh, pulling apart garbage the garbage of a a a lost civilization and discovering that that it's garbage
0: (laughs) yeah it's like discovering the uh the the graffiti on the walls of vesuvius
1: yeah and it's just some guy saying uh maximus is a a dickus or whatever it is right
0: Uh, all right I want to talk about the future, so let's let's go to a new let's get let's go to a new segment. Let's go to a, a fresh start here. A lot of people claim that this show is a great way to predict the future. Uh, I've I've had a, a lot of messages from people who say that they binge us and are shocked at how uh, prescient and, uh, and smart we are about predicting the, ne- uh, the big trends of the future. So it, with that in mind, Luke, what do you think is going to be uh, the biggest trend for 2022 on the internet? Um, the biggest uh,
1: – you always start with me on these. Um,
0: yeah, okay, well, because the... you didn't ask me that question. If you asked me that question, then I would start, but you never do. So I got to ask all the questions here. All right. The, the biggest trend. That should be the next trend. The next trend for 2022 is you <laughs> asking me some dang questions instead of the other way around.
1: Yeah. Um, man, you know, I, I, I. Okay. So let's, let's start from, from kind of scratch on this. Number one, everyone's going to use the internet more. We know that. <laughs> uh, number two, the platforms that they're going to use are going to, is going to change. It's going to shift quite a lot. Uh, uh-huh. so the, the shift away from Facebook is going to continue. That shift is like, lo- tiktok is likely to be the big benefactor of that i think it's likely that some walls will go up i don't know if this is next year but this is certainly over the next few years some walls will start to go up between whatsapp facebook and instagram which will likely mean i think it will probably accelerate that um distance because if you have to post twice once to instagram once to facebook you're only going to post one of them and it's probably going to be instagram so i think facebook kind of at some point, is going to find itself quite hollowed out, like more so than it is already. Uh, what that then means is that it is likely that there is going to be there are going to be more aggressive viral or algorithmic platforms, maybe. So, if the TikTok algorithm is very aggressive, as we saw from the New York Times piece uh, the other day. Uh, the algorithm is, is relatively simple but quite aggressive. I think that it's likely that other Outlets, other, other, other platforms are going to ape that, which means I think what you end up with is a more, everything gets more spiky. Mm. Uh, and I think that is the case for, particularly for supply chain stuff. Like I think that there's going to be an increased number of things that are, there are rushes on things, there are rushes on movies, on, uh, uh, music, on buying specific it won't be a toy, but like, it might, it might be a toy, actually. Toys are probably going to be a bad one for it. But like foods and things, which is going to make kind of supply chain management and long-term... Like, you know, if you're a guy who makes widgets, again, uh if you're the guy who makes widgets and you have a really amazing gear on widgets because there's a big viral TikTok video, do you make more widgets the next year? Or do you say, well, that's not going to happen again? And I think the answer is you probably make more. And I think that that sustaining these big spikes is going to get harder and harder and harder. And I think that it means that there's going to be a lot of wastage, which is going to be economically very bad. Uh, and also means that kind of online, I think more attention moves quickly into one place, which makes everything feel bigger and shorter. That's my theory.
0: Yeah. I, I totally buy your idea of like a chaotic, GameStop world where everything is pumping and the companies that are watching it want the pumps like they, and they, and they refuse to sort of like, like in the, like basically a world where every company operates like a digital media publisher chasing like yeah, viral exactly. highs. Yeah, no, I totally see that. I have kind of a dark prediction. I've been, I've been sort of like cozying up to mentally and sort of preparing myself for, I think we're, I think we're going to reach a point where something really bad is going to happen to one person or a group of people because of TikTok, and TikTok as a company is going to have to respond in some way, and I'm increasingly of the belief that they won't give a shit. Won't give a shit at all. I think ultimately, there's going to be something that happens that's going to make it so that Byte Dance makes us miss the days of Facebook.
1: Yes, no, for sure. Like, I mean, I think already TikTok is worse.
0: But I, I, I think there's going to be like a singular moment where something will happen, and Americans will demand that Byte Dance respond, and Byte Dance simply won't in a way that we're used to. I, 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 I sort of, I sort of see this world. I sort of see this trend moving in this way where, like, Chinese tech companies are increasingly not going to give a shit because they know that they're big enough and at a size enough where, like, it does not matter.
1: Okay, but, 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 there is a, a gap there, which is that Facebook is an American company, and therefore there is a greater willingness for political leaders to be softer on it. Whereas I think, given that there are kind of ramping up tensions between China and the US right now, I think that there is going is much easier to arrive at a point where they're just going to ban TikTok.
0: It could that could happen, uh, and it, it it's definitely possible.
1: Oh my God! You know what's going to happen, right? Mm. Banning TikTok is going to be the final thing that launches World War Three. Like it could that's going to move the Cold War into a hot war, and it'll be banning TikTok. So. I really... And it it won't be China getting mad, to be clear. It'll be TikTok teens getting their hands on nuclear weapons.
0: A bunch of really beautiful American teenagers will die doing the diarrhea slide challenge. (laughs) Uh, A a whole hype house will burn down trying to do the diarrhea slide challenge. And ByteDance will respond by saying, we don't care. And then Biden will ban ByteDance products. And then China will attack Taiwan. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how this works. All because of a diarrhea slide challenge. No, I I I, I do just I, I do think we're it's 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 not dissimilar from uh, the MCU transitioning from Thanos to Kang. I, I I sort of think there's going to be a, a moment next year where we're gonna wish. That we are still dealing with Mark Zuckerberg as the center of culture for all his his ills and evils. Cause I don't think American tech policy is ready to deal with Byte Dance. That's that's my that's my serious take.
1: I mean, yeah, that stacks up. Uh, I do think I do think in the short term, TikTok have kind of bite have kind of been more open than Facebook. Like I think partly because, you know, people ask them better questions sooner because people are more used to asking the right questions of tech companies. But I do think for the minute they've been better, and I think that it's going to get a lot worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's my very optimistic take. But I agree with you on the GameStop pump world stuff. I agree with you that platforms are changing. I, I'm still waiting to see like what the big new platform is for Gen Z. I mean, I've been looking at a lot of demographic stuff for Gen Z just to see like where they are on the internet and what they're using. One thing I discovered recently is that Twitter isn't even in the top six social networks for gen z um really no not even close yeah it's um
1: i mean i assume it's tiktok is number one
0: no wait is this
1: is this is this sorry is this usage or is this um hold on i got it i got right here
0: so um so right now uh the most used uh so uh this is for american gen z by the way that's the caveat here so um there are forty two million monthly Gen Z users on Drumwall. Roll, Drumroll, please. Snapchat. Oh, um Okay.
1: Okay. Acor- we're gonna have to define this is a classic thing, we're gonna have to define a user here. Active users?
0: Yeah. According to uh an insider intelligence report from emarketer dot com in November, which seems pretty good. It's based on uh it's based on data that they put together. Uh, Snapchat is still the top app, although it's like pretty much neck and neck with TikTok, which is 37 million Gen Z users. And then third beneath that at 33 million monthly active users in the Gen Z demographic is Instagram. But I think the fact that it's Snapchat, TikTok, and Instagram as the three main apps makes sense to me. They're they're all kind of similar. They all have kind of a, a similar OS. Um, okay.
1: Okay, so this is this is logging in at least once a month, which is a slightly different number to kind of like most usage.
0: No, but I do think it paints like a a fairly decent picture of like where these people are and like what they're doing, and I think it also explains like some trends we're seeing already. Like clearly, the the move is towards multimedia apps that operate more like a content creation platform than they do a social network. Like Snapchat is essentially just like. A multimedia delivery mechanism for your phone. Yeah, pretty
1: much. Pretty much.
0: Um, TikTok, you know, is Adobe is the Adobe suite more than anything else. Um, Yeah. Okay. And and also, all three of these apps are pretty good at providing a filter bubble. Like they they don't really offer the same like chaotic central feed as Reddit or Twitter, which I find interesting as well.
1: Yeah, they're slightly better at developing it, aren't they?
0: The most frequently used apps. Uh, on iPhone users, 18 to 25, according to the same report, were Snapchat, Instagram, Discord, and TikTok. So I I sort of- Oh, this
1: is interesting. This is for most people use apps when iPhone users first picked up. So it's the first app they go to.
0: Yeah. Which is
1: a really interesting measure because the fact that Discord is in that, yeah, there's a good chunk of people who are just living on Discords.
0: Yeah, I mean, I am now. Discord is now one of my main apps. I'm on there all day long um and i'm not just talking to like my own readers but i'm talking to like sources i'm talking to other people in tech um discord is kind of my home base now yeah interesting, so interesting. i sort of see that as as one of the the increasing trends for 2022 i i think no matter what though the biggest shift i think next year is just going to be that I, I i sort of have this in my head i i i sort of see next year as the last year of facebook like i sort of think when history books are written 2022 will be the last time we really think about Facebook as a player.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the scale thing. The scale thing is what's going to maintain it. It's the well, scale of the boomers. <laughs> until the boomers are gone facebook will will survive
0: to a degree but i think even the boomers are moving away from it i mean instagram i think has already become the new facebook and i i when i I say facebook won't survive i mean like facebook the app itself I i think facebook blue facebook proper i think next year is sort of our last year of thinking about it in any sort of um relevant way uh I, I'm 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 always on the fence about Twitter. I'm always waiting for like the last days of Twitter, but for some reason it's still it's still kicking around, even though it's used by basically 15 very unwell people living in Manhattan. But oh, and London. But we'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I have not yet seen a platform which is better for real time news. No, which is fascinating because it's not kind of not what it should be for. No, that's true. But it is it is it is the single best platform for real time news. Like. Definitely, like anything that is algorithmic doesn't work. So TikTok's out, Snapchat's out, Instagram's out, Facebook's out. Um, Discord is probably the closest actually. Discord is, would theoretically work very well for news, but it requires closed things, which means like you're relying on, on, on aggregators within that, which is not quite as effective.
0: Yeah. Oh, I do think another trend for next year is the, is the, is the return of aggregators, which I think is already happening, but I I don't think they look the same way as they used to. But I sort of suspect like, okay, I I sort of think we are at a moment that we were also at in like 2010 and 2011, where I think next year we're going to start to see like large accounts that people are going to for internet culture or internet news or whatever transition into like low-level publishers on whatever platform they're using. Like, I-, I sort of think like we'll have a couple TikTokers that rise up as like the voice of TikTok in the same way that we saw with YouTube. I think the Substack thing is going to continue where there'll be more of that. Um, I-, I just think there's more of a need for that than there's ever been. Yeah. And-, and not just because that includes me.
1: I mean, Substack is maybe the most interesting one of these in terms of what's going to happen to it because it's had a very strange year.
0: So I don't talk about it a ton on the show because I just like don't want to, but I'll open up a little bit for 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 our sake here. Like, garbage day had a very good year this year. Um, in fact, I I pulled analytics recently. Uh, if you're if you're curious, and I'm gonna publish like a whole report, but over the last so between August and last week, my average views have gone up sixty percent. Okay. And my media, the 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 median views have gone up thirty nine percent. The average wait, wait, sorry, sorry. When is this since? Between August and now.
1: Okay, gotcha. gotcha yeah,
0: yeah. My average email opens have gone up twenty seven percent, and my average open rate has gone up seven percent. So, like, by all accounts, but Garbage Day is growing, and the email readership side of it. Is growing but it's not growing as much as the website side of it which i find interesting like people are reading garbage day more as a website than they are as a newsletter
1: yeah i mean it's one of those things that i think is is gonna be a a major factor of how newsletters work which is that they are a they're a functionally accessible blog like that is how they work yeah like like we have lost blogs and then someone has come up with an easy way to do blogs and also a way to send helpful reminders.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I just think I, – I do think the the idea of reading via your email inbox will go out of fashion to a degree ne- in the next year. I, 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 I mean, if my traffic is uh, anything like other people's, I, I just don't see – I don't see reading – a newsletter within the confines of your inbox, a pleasant experience long-term for people. I think, I think most people kind of want to read something on a website.
1: I mean, I think you also drag people into your orbit, though. Like, that's kind of how this works in that you, if, if you're sending a newsletter, you may f- first subscribe to the newsletter, then you follow you on Twitter, then you join the Discord, and then you're probably getting the newsletter from Twitter or Discord. Yeah, that's and true. And therefore going to a web version. So it's not it's not kind of like a one to one relationship. I think it's probably more of I think of it more a funnel thing.
0: I also have encountered a lot of readers of mine who do not follow me on Twitter, which I find interesting as well. I mean, I wouldn't follow me on Twitter either, so I understand that. But I uh, another trend that I've sort of noticed in, in in sort of in line with this is like smaller, more niche communities lasting longer. Like, I, there's a lot of people I know now who are in Discord channels for various Patreons. Which I think is an, an interesting sort of trend. Yeah, fair enough. Like I just think the internet is getting smaller and more diversified, but then also I think internet culture is becoming more ubiquitous and getting closer to a monoculture like it was ten years ago, which I find interesting as well. I find all of this interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I see the monoculture thing just because. I don't know. It feels like this constantly, it feels like there's more bubbling under, but with the potential of kind of a fire hose constantly being like pointed at people at random. So it's kind of a, a sweeping monoculture over an awful lot of fragmented culture.
0: Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, we have the bus cartoon and the orb guy going viral simultaneously, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Are you excited for 2022? No, God, no. <laughs> Uh have yeah. one
1: good thing happening in August and the rest of it's going to be hell.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for 2022 for now. Although, like, I try not to get excited about anything anymore. I feel like that's health- it's, a healthier it's place. Best, it's,
1: best, it's best not to.
0: Yeah. I think it's healthier just to sort of hold that L in. But here's one thing I'm excited about. Consuming more content next year. So let's talk about that. <sighs>
1: wait to consume more content.
0: Hey, Luke, have have you consumed any content this week to stay sane? Do you want to talk about Hawkeye again? Wait, no. You asked me a question this time.
1: Oh, okay. Have you consumed any content to stay sane?
0: I don't know. Do you want to talk about Hawkeye?
1: I said you want to talk about
0: Hawkeye. (laughs) I don't know what's happening here. I already asked you the question. Let's talk about Hawkeye. Uh, I like it. It's good.
1: (laughs) I still like it. It's good. I think it is really struggling with tone.
0: Uh, I I haven't noticed that so much. I, I... it's walking a line in between delightful and like I don't care, but for now I'm interested. I'm curious where it's going. I I love the fact that it seems to be ramping up to Kingpin. I'm excited for that. Um I think it's all really interesting. I loved the car chase. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I think
1: but this is kind of what I mean about the tone thing in that I felt I feel like it's it's I, the MCU is very much at like kind of straining point with all this stuff now and like uh, uh, I can't remember the name of her character now. Uh, Kate Bishop. Does oh. she have a, uh, what's her superhero name? She doesn't have it yet, does she? Uh,
0: Kate Bishop? Yeah. Uh, What is her superhero name? Oh, Hawkeye.
1: Oh, yeah, right. She's Hawkeye. Yeah, kind of her, like, slightly weird, like, kind of purple, very aggressively superhero outfit. You know what, actually? You know what exactly it felt like? It felt like an episode of the Arrowverse.
0: With slightly, very, very slightly higher production values. But, yeah, it did... It, it does feel a bit like Arrowverse stuff. I mean, including the arrows.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, the arrows, obviously, the main similarity, but also there's a lot of kind of low end polish sort of thing and a lot of slightly dodgy CG because they clearly haven't, you know, it's not all that much of a budget. And I don't know. I think that given the kind of way that Disney is being with its movies and slowing down its movie production, I think it's quite a. I, I think that they're going to struggle to hold the thing together. Also, it's a classic. thing, it should have been a movie. We yeah.
0: There's already talk about, like, taking one of the villains from Hawkeye, um, Echo, and doing a show with her, and I'm like, okay, I mean, that's fun. I just, it just seems, I'm, like, pre exhausted by the size of the MCU and what they want yeah. to do with it.
1: I think it's fascinating that, because there was a big thing that came out the other day being like, hey, here's all the stuff happening in the MCU, and all all the, like, big franchise movies coming out. Yeah. And there's not a single Star Wars movie on there.
0: No, I don't, well, no, there is, Andor. It's a show, a, I think, not though. a movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a well, there's that, and there's um the Obi Wan thing. But oh there's not man. A single there's not a single Star Wars movie. Like, I I'm, just,
0: I'm, like, I'm genuinely hyped about Obi Wan, though. To be honest,
1: sure, but I, I just when Disney spent astonishing amounts of money to buy the entirety of the Star Wars universe, I would have been very surprised if they, if like, it been like. They're going to get to 2019, and they're going to run out of movies, and they're going to stop doing movies.
0: Well, no, as we talked about on a previous episode of post-post-credit scene, Rise of Skywalker was the worst thing to happen around the world in December 2019. The most uh, toxic thing spreading across the planet was the release of Rise of Skywalker. And like I don't think they deserve to put out uh, any more movies for a while. I think they need to... uh... But is that not just
1: any... Is that not just an incredible fuck-up? Like, I, I kind of can't go over just how bad that fuck-up is.
0: Yeah, like, sometimes you just need to, like, sit and, like, you know, you don't have to go away forever, but maybe it's, like, worth taking some time and figuring out, like, what you're good at and what you want to do, and re, re, readjust your life a little bit. I think Star Wars movies have to go through that right now. They just, they need a little time out.
1: All right. Um, well, in that case, uh, shall we go and talk about some more Marvel stuff?
0: Uh, two things or three things? Okay. No, two things. Two things. I want to thank all the Content Minds listeners who DM me over the last week to tell me how to get Mew in Pokemon, uh, Brilliant, uh <laughs> Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. I think it is. What is it? Brilliant Diamond? Yeah, Brilliant Diamond. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for helping me. Uh, I got Mew. So, I got Mew. But then, uh, I have now reached, uh. <laughs> The Elite Four of Brilliant Diamond, which is actually an Elite Five, because there's a surprise fifth trainer you have to fight, Cynthia, and she is so freaking hard, and I'm about to go bankrupt in-universe, in the game, because I keep buying so many full restores to try to get through the Elite Four. So if any of you delightful listeners have any advice on how I beat the Elite Five in this game, please let me know. Uh, But thank you for your help. And uh, second of all, uh, please leave a comment, a review, whatever on a various uh, podcasting app that you listen to us on. Uh, and this week, can you do it as if you're writing about our show, like you just discovered it in the dirt in a post-apocalyptic society, and, and you're you're a you're, you're 100 years in the future uh, in some sort of uh, Mad Maxian water wars situation, and you're like, wow, these guys, little do they know what's going to happen a 100 years from now. So that's here. That's this week's uh, prompt for our comment section or review section. Uh, all right. Let's go talk about um, Enter the Spider-Verse, a movie that, uh, yeah, I, I cried multiple times watching this movie today. Um, so that you, you can listen to that on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the content And uh, yeah, let's go do it. Let's go talk about all the emotions that I had watching this animated movie about Spider-Man. Awesome. Goodbye.